It's time to rise. It's time to rise. Not just because it's September and it's that sort of season in the church, but there is something going on. It's time to rise. We found out last week when I preached my introduction only that arise means to arouse yourself. Everybody arouse yourself. You know what? There's something rising up on the inside. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. We are those who press on to the salvation of lives and our, I believe, our country, our nation. We are here for the salvation of our cities. The church has become way, not our church, the church world has become way too self-obsessed. We are here for the salvation of our cities, for the salvation of the streets we live in. We're not here to just have a little encounter with God that wasn't that lovely, aren't I blessed? We're here to be set on fire, stirred up, turned out, and released. And I believe there is something going on in our generation. The devil doesn't like it. God loves it because he's in the middle of it. He's stirring something up. He's raising up an army of incredible, incredible people. Not in their own gifting and their own ability and their own talents, but in the faith that they carry, in the glory that they carry, and in the love that they pour out. Raising up a generation of people who are saying, there is a cause to live for. There is something greater than my little experience and my little expectation. There is something greater, and that is the raising up of a generation that will see, I believe, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get all prophetic about when that's happening. I have no idea when it'll happen. I know my end time theology. I'm not saying it'll necessarily even be in our lifetime. But I do believe we're in a time of the outpouring of God and of the glory of God and the raising up of the church of Jesus Christ. And we found out last Sunday that there is an incredible power in the decision to rise up. So often we want to wait for God to do something. But the power and the breakthrough takes place as the church rises up, as the believer rises up. Can I hear an amen this morning? We found out last week that it means to rise up, which you find all the way through the Word of God in so many situations. It means to rouse yourself. (coughs) Excuse me, to rouse yourself. To stir something up. To rouse yourself out of sitting down, lying down, sleep, inactivity, obscurity, disease, death, and ruin. To rouse yourself, to stir something up. Say, I'm not sitting down anymore, I'm standing up. I'm not just going to stand anymore, I'm going to fly. I'm not going to live in the, in the uh, shadows. I'm going to be a, a lamp in the darkness, a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. I'm going to come out of the hidden places and coming into a place of influence. Rouse yourself. We, find out, we found out last week that God is a God who rises up. God is a God who doesn't just sit back. He does sit in authority on his throne and there's not a lot that moves God. I know we talk about faith moves God and prayer moves God, but God doesn't move from his place of sitting in authority very often. He sits there and he speaks. 
and he leads and, and he gives decrees and he charges. But there are times when God moves and when God moves, all heaven breaks loose. When God moves, you know, so often we, oh, God really moved, God really moved, God really moved. Well, by his spirit, God is always active. He, he's, he's always poured out. Give him the word to work with and he'll always do something creative. Give him faith to work with, he'll always move a mountain. So God's always active. But for God to rise up, the Bible says there's a number of, 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 of examples in his word where God will rise up himself. Psalm 68, we cover this. Arise, O God, let your enemies be scattered. As the church rises up, the enemy flees. Can I hear an amen this morning? The second thing we heard is that God will arise to fulfill his promise to his child, to his people. He will work on your and my behalf and he will release favour in our situations, God will arise to fulfill his promise. And the third thing we found out is that God will rise up and all creation has to be still. God will rise up to take hold of his possession and his inheritance. Something happens when the church rises up. The enemy has to shut up. And we lay hold of that which God has given us. But today we're going to carry on and we're just going to go through a number of examples as to what happens when the church does rise up, when somebody does rise up. You see, this isn't just to be theory, just a nice example, just another word, lovely word, Pastor. I'll put that in my notebook, and wasn't that a nice word? We need to get to the place where we understand when we rise up, stuff moves, things shift, things happen. And there's a whole load of examples, and I'll go through half of them today, probably carry on next Sunday with some other examples. But the first one we're going to consider today is from Genesis chapter 13. And there are many examples of when people rise up in the Word of God. We've ju- I've just tried to pull out a number that sort of can be sort of grouped together into examples of what happens. And the first one here is in Genesis 13 verse 17. This is about a man called Abram. Abram was called of God when he was 75 years old. And that's when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans. They'd lived there for some time. Um, his whole family had got as far as Haran. Haran was the name of his uh, brother who died. And his brother died in a place called Haran. And, it's, and it stopped the whole family in their tracks. How many of you know there are times when you, you, you just stop? It's as if you're going ahead and suddenly you hit a brick wall. And it's like, I wasn't expecting that. In his situation, it was a bereavement that knocked the life out of him. The father was, was just so was so knocked off his journey of life that he never took another step. Got as far as Haran and stopped. Who knows what? God had for him in his future that he never experienced because he stopped still. Who knows what could have happened in the years following? We could have had a very different Bible, a very different history. 
Now, thank God, God always moves and does far abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. So we don't live in any less as a people. The church is still here. Jesus Christ came and and all of that. But who knows what that family sacrificed because they failed to move on. And so Haran had passed away and then the father died. And then God spoke to Abram and said, it's your turn. He said, I'm speaking to you today and I declare this, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I will make of you a great nation and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. I don't know, perhaps that was a word to his father and his father stopped still. I don't know. Presumption. But God spoke to Abram and said, now leave and I want you to start to take steps to a place you don't know where you're going. Doesn't it infuriate you when you don't know where you're going? I don't know about you. I, you know, I want to know where I'm going. I'm not overly detailed. I'm not somebody who will plan everything. I'll just get in and just go. And we'll get there. <laughs> but at least you, you, know, you need to know where you're going. But God said to Abram, I want you to start walking. And I will show you as you walk. It's like as you begin to prophesy, as you start to learn how to give prophetic words. Sometimes we want the whole thing before we open our mouth. And sometimes God just wants to say, open your mouth and say the first word and the next word will follow. Oh man, that's scary stuff. (laughs) We want to have it all so sorted and all so arranged. But the Bible says that Abram started to walk and he got up. But he was concerned and he had a bit of a security blanket with him because he thought, I don't know where I'm going. And and everyone, you know, my my father's died. and You know, God's told me to leave everybody and walk out there on my own. But that's a bit scary. So I'm going to bring along this man called Lot, nephew, and bring him along and all his herdsmen. And that just caused him a nightmare. He should never have done it. (laughs) Should never have done it. And it got to the place where Lot and his herdsmen had to separate from Abram and his herdsmen because the land couldn't con- you know, contain everybody. Strife stirred up. <sighs> it's, it's just because he did the wrong thing. And so he got to the place where he said to Lot, will you choose whatever you want and I'll have what's left. He did the love thing. And then God, after... After they'd separated, it says God took Abram up and put him on a high, a high top of a mountain. And he said, now look, Abraham, north and south and east and west. Do you think sometimes we could be guilty of just looking too narrowly in one direction? Hello? We see life like this. We see life, you know generationally it's a real challenge for us older generation to see life like the younger generation are seeing it now it's a real challenge yeah because they're seeing it like that and we're seeing it like that what's important what's valuable what 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 stirs them up but God said to Abram I don't just want you to look with these narrow you know feel what's it Tunnel vision. 
I want you to see. I want you to look north and south and east and west. Look as far as you can see. Look all around you because as far as you can see, you can have. What an amazing principle in the Word of God. If you can only see around your feet, that's all you're going to ever have. But if you can rise up, if you can stir yourself up, if you can get into the place of prayer, if you can get into the place of the Word of God, if you can get into the place of worship, if you can get into the place of praise, as you praise God wholeheartedly, as you stir something up, as you give a shout of faith, you know what happens? You see further than you've ever seen before. If you stand there silently, all you're going to do is see your feet. But if something's stirring and your spirit man is stirring up and something is rising up on the inside, all of a sudden you have clarity of vision that you've not seen before and you have a length of vision and a breadth of vision that you've never seen before. The most amazing things I've ever heard from God have probably all been in times of praise and worship. Why? Because that's when your eyes are open. You're not seeing your circumstances, you're seeing God. You're seeing as far as you can see. When you're going through it, give a shout of praise. When you're going through it, sing a song of praise. When you're going through it, shout the name of Jesus. When you're going through it, lift up your voice. When you're going through it, shout all you nations. Clap your hands, all you nations. Dance before the Lord with all your strength because you will see further than you have ever seen before. And you'll get the answers for what you're in the middle of. And it says of Abraham, Abram, <coughs> he looked as far as he could see, north, south, east, and west. And then the command of God came. Arise, Abram, and walk in the land. See, we're a church of, and we're a people of vision. And the Bible says, without a vision, people perish. I don't want to add to the Word of God, but I want to add an understanding. Without legs, the vision will perish. Because the Bible says, walk in your vision. Take a step into the land. Don't just sit back and say, well, I've got a vision. I've got a vision. I'm believing God for the vision. God, let your vision come to pass. No, the Bible tells us to rise up and walk into the land which God has given us. Arise and walk into what God has given you. Well, how do I do that? Well, it depends on the thing that God's speaking to you about. It could be something to do with employment. It could be something to do with relationship. It could be something to do with how you parent your kids. It could be to do with, I don't know, your church involvement. It could be to do with how you run your finances. It could be to do with something health-wise in your body. It could be, I need to diet. I don't know what it is. Seriously. Could be absolutely anything. All the time it's just a vision. All you're doing is standing on the mountaintop. But there is a time to get off the mountaintop and get down into the plain. And get, I'm not talking about getting down into a valley. But you get down to where real life happens, where the rubber hits the road and say, what I've heard from God, I'm now going to walk in it. I'm now going to walk in it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to be whatever it takes. I'm going to walk in the word that God has given me. Walk in the Word. It's great having a promised land, but it needs to become your land. It needs to become my land. It's great having a promise, but that Word needs to become flesh. For thousands of years, it was, it was 
prophesied, Emmanuel would come. The Messiah will come. But there was a day when that word became flesh. When this little lady Mary said, let it be according to your word. And she walked into that which we live in today. So what's the first point from the first example? Walk in and claim the land that God has given you. Walk in and claim it. Don't just see it. Oh, there it is. Isn't that great? What a wonderful promise I've got. Walk into the promise. Led by the Holy Spirit. But walking by faith. Putting something to work to lay hold of that which God has given you. Is that all right? Look at someone and say, rise up. Walk in. Yeah. Number two. A little bit further on in. In, in his life now, Abram, this is now 45 years later, approximately. He was 75 years old when God told him to arise and go into the land. Then when he was about 100 years old, they had Isaac as a son. And then this is about 20 years later. So now Isaac's about 20 years old. And he's now called Abraham. And God appears to Abraham just out of the blue one day. Speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, and he goes, here I am. And he says, I want you to take your son now, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to go to the land of Moriah, and I want you to go up on the mountain there, and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. Now, we're not going to get into that this morning. That's just the academy guys are going to find out all about that in the next few weeks. But that is the most amazing, amazing thing that probably ever, ever happened in the Word of God. It was that instruction that set up the rest of eternity. That one word. Most amazing thing. And what Abraham did on the back of that. Abraham was excited about that. Abraham was stirred up about that. That was the best news he could have heard that day. I know that may amaze some people. But it was the most amazing thing. And the next verse says this. So Abraham rose early the next morning and saddled his donkey. We'll call it donkey today. Turn to someone say, saddle your, uh, saddle your donkey. Come on, look at someone and say, saddle your donkey. Okay. So Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and he arose and went to the place that God had told him. What's the next point today? There are times we just need to rise up and obey God. Just rise up and obey God. Now, we live in a, a generation, really, this is a time where the rubber really hits the road, uh, you know, really. We live in this sort of generation, and it's sort of a little bit of the church age right now, which is, how do you feel? How do you feel? Oh, Pastor Jay, I don't know, I don't know if I feel like praying today. I don't, I don't feel that. I don't, I don't feel God today. I don't feel God. I mean, where did this come from? It snuck in, didn't it? It snuck in. Feeling. 
you know, probably for the last 30 years, we've gone a little bit away from feeling and into conviction and into faith and into, I don't live by what I see, I don't live by what I feel, I live by the Word of God, which is great. Now, God wants us to have some feelings. Fun in the church. Laughter. Have some feelings. Some people are so dead in their feelings because they've been hurt and their soul has been grieved. And the Bible says he will restore your soul. He wants you to have a good laugh. He wants us to have a real fun, good time. The church, happiest place on earth. He got some people, you know, they get upset if you start laughing in church. <laughs> Has anyone seen A Knight's Tale? A Knight's Tale. Oh, I love that film. I must have seen that 30 times. No exaggeration. I've seen it with all my boys. I've seen it with my wife. I've seen it on my own in secret. great film and there's this bit they go into the church and I think he's on a horse and she's walking along and they're talking about and and um and he comes up the priest comes up it's the house of God and she starts apologizing because she's so beautiful I'm cursed with this beauty and I pray to God every day that he makes me ugly it's something like that. It's just, it's just a hilarious scene. And it's so not who God is. Couldn't be further from the truth. What religion has done to the church of Jesus Christ is horrendous. God wants us to have feelings, but he doesn't want us to live by our feelings. Oh, I don't feel like praying today. Saddle your donkey. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jay? Just do what you need to do. Just do what you need to do. Wouldn't it be great? You know, we have, we've had three babies, and Sharon gets, oh, I don't feel like feeding him today. <laughs> I don't feel it. I don't feel, like, I don't feel like changing the nappy. I don't feel like doing all that stuff. <sighs> so, I mean, God understands me, and, and, you know, God knows where I'm at right now. And God, God understands me. God understands that I just don't feel like feeding Christopher today. So, so God, that's fine. God accepts me as I am. God loves me just as I am. So you're on your own, Chris. <laughs> and yeah, that's, it, it, obviously, there's no way we want to you know, to go back into legalism. That has been the curse of the church in other generations. Legalism. You must pray. An hour a day. Hey. <laughs> this is a relationship. It's not, it's not legality. You must talk to your wife. Okay. This is what we do because we're married. Hello, Sharon. What should we talk about? Don't say, I don't know. You don't never got nothing to talk about. Man, if I was to ask that question, I would regret it for the next three days. It's like, it'd be like, should we talk? No, oh, no, it's lovely. <laughs> it's, it's, 
It's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely for a time, but it's lovely. But there are times, come on guys, we just got to saddle our donkey. We just got to do what it needs to be done. You want the breakthrough? Well, get up. You want God to move? Pray. You want to grow in your relationship with God? Open your Bible. If you want to be everything God's called you to be, get involved in church. These things, these things are really, really important. You want a great family? Invest in it. You know, if you want to be rich, I'm not saying some desire, but you know, if you want a, a genuine thing, God, I really want to help people. I want to be abundant. I want to buy my own house. We'll take the first steps. Saddle your donkey. Do whatever it takes. Don't lie in bed saying, well, God's told me to do this and I'll think about it and pray about it for the next few weeks. Just get up and put the saddle on your donkey and get going. Get up early the next day and do it. Get up early the next day and do it. Put something into motion. Apply for another 10 jobs. Don't give up. Oh, I believe God wants me to great, you know, be a great influencer. Influence what you can now. Don't wait for that big, that big experience that all of a sudden you're speaking to the world. Speak to the people who are next to you. Saddle your donkey. Look at someone and say, saddle your ass. Rise up and saddle your donkey. God's not going to saddle your donkey for you. You need to saddle your own donkey. You need to write your own applications. You need to open your own Bible. Is this, is this, any, is this making sense to anybody today? Sometimes we just got to arise and walk in the land. There are times we need to arise and obey what God has told us to do. Perhaps for some people here today, to saddle your donkey means just go and lay hands on that person. God's told, perhaps he's spoken to you and told you to do it. Perhaps just to go and forgive somebody. Just do it. Oh, but I don't feel like I can forgive them. Since when is love and, fe- and you know, forgiveness got anything to do with feeling? Jesus didn't hang on the cross going, oh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I really feel good about this. The Bible says for the joy set before him, not the joy he had. The Bible says he was crucified in weakness, which means he had no joy on the cross. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you haven't got any joy, then you will be weak because joy is strength. And the Bible says he was crucified in weakness, so he had no joy on the cross. He was not happy. And yet he did it. Why? He had to saddle his donkey. Just had to rise up and do what he needed to do. And the breakthrough came. And the breakthrough came. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? This is wonderful. Let's just give God some praise right now, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for doing what you do. For being who you are. Number three. As the band comes back up, please. Number three out of my nine examples that will take a couple of weeks to do. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Another great example. 
is where a whole generation had to die off in the wilderness, even though they'd been called into the promised land. Tragic, one of the greatest tragedies, I think, in the Bible. God said, I'm taking you out of Egypt in glory with a mighty hand, divided the Red Sea, destroyed all the Egyptians, fire of God, pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God moved. And yet they went round and 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 round in circles for 40 years, supposed to take 11 days. And then the guy who was heading it up at that time got so angry, smacked a rock. And God said, because of your anger, you will see the land, you'll never walk in it. His bones were taken in, that was about it. Ah, oh, so sad, really tragic. A whole generation had to die off except for two people of that generation. There were two people, the Bible said they had a different spirit. That was Joshua and his, his older accomplice, a guy called Caleb. 85 years old, still taking ground. Joshua, about 40. God said to him, after a whole generation had died off and just been left behind in the desert with the sand fleas, left behind and God said now they've all gone and in my paraphrase arise Joshua it's your turn now arise Joshua it's your turn now and something so impacted Joshua he started to go around saying it's my turn now it's my turn now it's my turn now I'm not going to keep looking back it's my turn now and I really want to speak that into each and every life here today it's your turn it's your turn. Wherever you find yourself, it's your turn. You're there because it's your turn. You've got the opportunity because it's your turn. It's our turn now. Look at someone say, rise up and walk in. Come on, say it with some faith. Rise up and walk in. Look at someone else say, rise up and saddle your donkey. Look at someone else say, rise up. It's your turn now. I don't know what that means to some people here today, but it's your turn now. God's entrusted us with a generation. It's our turn now. It's our opportunity. Don't waste the opportunity that God has for you tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Every day He's got fresh opportunities. It's our turn. And as we close today, we're going to just see the fourth example here from 1 Samuel 16. And I really believe this is something God wants us to to lay hold of as a church today. And that is this. There's a prophet Samuel, amazing prophet of God. He had anointed Saul as the king because all the people said they wanted a king. So God said, oh, it's like a breather. went, oh, all right. You want to be like everybody else? Well, then you be like everyone else. What a crazy mentality. The chosen people of God wanting to be like everyone else. Craziness. Be different because we're called to be different. So they chose a man, head and shoulders above everybody else, a guy called Saul. But he had insecurities on the inside and really didn't put his trust in God in that way. And It's a long story, but anyway, God rejected him. And then God spoke to Samuel and said, there's someone else you're going to anoint in his place. And I want you to go down to a guy called um, Jesse's house. 
and I want you to see all the sons and I'm going to show you which one it is. And he said, now don't look at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. So I want you to be really alive and alert in this that you're going to know something on the inside. And so he goes down to... um, Jesse's house and he says hey Jesse I'm here I want to see your sons and so they bring out all the sons they line them all up there they all all are in a row standing in a row from the oldest down to the youngest and I get a picture of them all sort of standing there going okay what's this all about so up comes Samuel and he sees the first one the oldest one and he just doesn't get it and he's very you know he knows this is not the one you're the one you're the firstborn you're the qualified if it's going to be anybody it's going to be you God says it's not him so he says it's not you goes to the next one and goes down the line and he gets to the last one and it's not been any of them so he's a bit confused really he's going hey what's, what's going on I'm looking for somebody who's after God's heart I'm, I'm looking for somebody who's that one that not like Saul who's up you know in his own strength but, but there's a guy who's after, after God's heart and so he says to Jesse, is there anybody else? You've got the other sons, what's going on? And he says, yeah, we have got one more. He's the flake of the family. He's the flake of the family. He's the, he's the prophetic dancer. He's the psalmist. He's the one who comes in the morning doing his ascending flame dance. He's the one that you go into his room in the evening and he's like, oh, the presence of God. He's the one singing songs about every experience he's ever had. I went to work this morning. It was really tough, but God came through. Amen. <laughs> he's the spiritual one in the family, but he's also, he's the one out there with the sheep. And so Samuel says, right, I want you to go and fetch him. I want you to call him in. No one is going to sit down until he comes in. Oh, can't we go off for a break? No, we're going to stand here and we're going to wait until he comes in. Now, I don't know how far away he was. You know, sheep are not in the back garden. They're out in the field. So it could have been like three hours because they had to go and get him and then bring him back. Could have been, could have been a day, could have been an hour. It wasn't five minutes, but it was certainly a period of time. And they go out there and they have to drag him out the realm of the spirit because he's out there worshiping God. So they, sometime they bring him back, and as he walks through the door, the Bible says as Samuel sees him, he knows something. That's the one. Anoint him. That's the one. Anoint him. God says something very unusual that I want us to grasp today in the last couple of minutes of this service and that is this God said arise and anoint him but hang on a minute God we're all standing expressly says in the word of God nobody sit down until David comes in we're all standing we've been standing for hours waiting for him and yet you're telling me to arise, and I know what it is. I need to get a pair of, of stepladders and go up a bit higher. Is that what you're saying? Get on a box. Arise and anoint. You want me to go up on the first floor? 
to go higher, to get up, get up higher. No, God's saying, no, this is not about your physical position. This is about your spiritual position. If you are going to anoint a situation, you can't be underneath it. And you can't be eye to eye with it. You've got to be above it. There is a word, and I forgot to preach this in the first service. I left it out. So you're going to get the better preach right now. And that is this, intimidation. The enemy's plans are so often to intimidate people out of their authority. To intimidate you. Oh, but I made a mistake. And you shrink back and you shrink down. Yeah, but who am I? In, you know, former generations, I'm just a woman because of the horrendous mess in the church. Yeah, but I'm disabled in some way. I'm not qualified in some way. I'm not educated. I've never done it before. The enemy wants to intimidate people out of their authority. But the thing we got to get today is your authority is not dependent on your natural ability, your experience or anything that you can claim to be something you've done. It's handed to you by God. It's anointed by God. It's empowered by God. And it's endorsed by God. God said to Samuel, Arise and anoint David. He's the one. Now Samuel was God's man. Samuel was the one who sort of had it together. He was the one who spoke and God moved. He was the, he was the prophet of the generation. And yet all of a sudden, this is the first time in his life he had encountered something where he had to influence something, but he was on the same level as that thing, so he had to go higher. What do I mean by that? How can the church affect a generation if we're laboring under the same mentalities and the same spirits as that generation? How can we pray for our government if we're criticizing the government like everybody else does? How are you, Pastor? I'm under the weather. You'll never change the weather if you're under the weather. Hello? Every culture has an attitude. You can't change that culture if you've got the same attitude. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Every generation has got an attitude, has got a mindset, has got a culture. Look at, the, look at so many times in the Bible, especially uh, for Daniel. They said, we want to change these people. We're going to brainwash them. We're going to reteach them. Culture, education, the arts, the media. They're going to only read certain books. They're only going to do certain things because we want Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to think like why? Because if they think like us, they have no influence over us. Hello? But there was something so strong on the inside of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They refused to bow down. They only rose up. They only rose up. 
Now that was a physical thing. We will not bow down to this statue. But it wasn't just a a physical posture. It was a spiritual posture. It was a mentality. It was a culture. It was a value. It was a priority. If we're going to pray and see revival in our nation, we can't be under the same spirit as our nation. If we're going to invade and influence our culture with the love of God and the power of God, we can't be speaking and, you know, criticising and everything else, the same attitudes as the culture we live in. Do you get anything out of that today? Arise and anoint. We understand in this church, I've preached it a number of times, there are seven spheres of influence. There's the media, there's the arts, there's education, there's governmental, there's, there's finances, there's, there's faith and religion, there's family. There's all these different spheres of influence and everybody is in one of those spheres. Every person is called to influence in one or more of those spheres of influence. Ah, but I'm just a, I'm just a, a, a teacher's assistant. You're in the sphere of influence for education. Ah, but I'm just, no, get the intimidation out. Rise up and anoint. Rise up and anoint. Ah, but I've just started my own business. It's only a little business. You're in the influence of finances. Ah, but it's just a little business. Arise and anoint. Are you getting anything out of this today? Arise. Look at someone say, arise and anoint. Come on, look at at least three or four people say, arise and anoint. Perhaps in your office, there is a prevailing spirit. And you know it. You go into that office and you feel it. I'm not talking about demonic strongholds and all that, but you interpret it however you want to interpret it. Perhaps there is a spirit in there. And there's this thing over your company or over your office or in your classroom or in that job or in your home. And you've been intimidated to a place where you're shrinking back and you know you're not living in authority over that thing. Not because you're in sin, not because you're doing anything wrong, but just you know you've shrunk back. God's saying to us today, come on, arise and anoint. Arise and anoint. There are, perhaps there are some people in this room and you feel like you are under somebody else. I'm not talking about positionally, job. Of course, we all have people who are our boss and accountable to people. But I'm talking about you are subservient. And that's a manipulative thing. This is the sad thing with abuse. You know, people get to the place where they think they deserve it. They think that's my lot in life. And they go from one abuse to the next abuse to the next abuse. Why? Because that's, they're they're under the thing. There's all sorts of reasons for that. But there's one thing we can do today is arise and anoint. To rise up and get over that thing. Even Samuel had to arise and anoint David. Perhaps you're here today and you've got to arise and anoint your situation. We've all got to arise and anoint our situation. We've all got to go higher. Samuel wasn't under anything, but he found he had to go higher. To make a difference, he had to go higher. Some people, in order to feel authoritative, they put other people down. That's not what the Christian does. We lift other people up and then we go higher. Hello? We lift other people up. We don't put people down. But we don't put ourselves up, but we certainly stir up and we rise up and we fan up and we cheer up and we get up and we come up higher. We 
we go up. Why? Because God wants us to influence our world. Let's stand to our feet here today. Do you get anything out of that? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Come on, let's lift our hands today. Just very quickly as we close this service and we're just out of time, but, but come on. Perhaps you're here today and you know you've got to arise and anoint. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost just a little bit today. Come on, we're just going to receive this Word. We're just going to receive it. For some people it's arise and walk in the land. For some people it's arise and saddle your donkey. Do what you know you should do. Perhaps for some people it's, it's, it's my turn now. I've been expecting other people to do it and know it's my turn. But perhaps for us here today as well, it's come on, I'm going to arise and anoint. I'm going to go higher in order to influence. Come on, let's just pray a little bit in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who, who raises up. You lift people up. Father, right now I take authority over intimidation, over fear, over regret, guilt, shame. Everything that will want to keep your people down. And Lord, like Samuel, we arise in order to influence today. In our workplaces, in our families, in our finances, in our education. Lord, wherever you've placed us, we're in a sphere of influence to be an influence. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, Amen, Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise. Here.